Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Thanks. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I have crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, please, from the hands of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid of him and he may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. Yet you have said, I will surely do you good, and make you offspring of the sands of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. So he spent that night there, and from what he had with him he took a present for his brother Esau. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hit was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said to him, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks that you have gathered us to, the, to this place. You have gathered us together even in the midst of the rain so that we might be united by your Spirit, sing praises together in your name, hear your word read and proclaimed. 
And Lord, we ask that you open our ears and soften our hearts so that we might hear your voice speaking to us today, that we might be transformed in your presence, and that we might bring your transformation to a world that desperately needs it. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We're jumping forward quite a few years. We just heard about last week about the birth of Isaac, Abraham's son, to Abraham and Sarah. And we jump forward. Isaac is now uh, was married and had children and uh, was fully grown and had two kids named Esau and Jacob. And now we're to the point where Jacob and Esau did not get along. Now part of that, most of that, is Jacob's fault. Jacob was the second born. Esau was supposed to get the birthright, the blessing. He was the one through whom, at least in birth order, that was supposed to have the lineage. But Jacob had uh, tricked Isaac. He had traded it with Esau, and then he tricked Isaac on his deathbed when he could no longer see, so that Isaac gave Jacob the blessing rather than Esau. And because of that, and because of fear of what Esau would do to him, Jacob ran away. And he spent a good number of years, at least 14, if not more, away from home. He met a man named Laban, and he eventually, with some difficulty uh, and some trickery, married two uh, two of Laban's daughters, had amassed a number of possessions and wealth, and now... God had told him to go home, but he was still in fear of his brother Esau, afraid that Esau would kill him, kill his wives, kill his children, and take all of his possessions. It's in that note that we come today's passage in Genesis where Jacob prays, God save me. And he offers that prayer that we read in the beginning part of the passage. As soon as God, uh, Jacob prays, God saves me. As soon as he's done with that prayer, he sends his wife and his children ahead of him and all of his possessions ahead of him, hoping that his brother Esau will be merciful. But he sticks around. He holds back. And in holding back, he encounters a stranger. At first, we have no idea who this stranger is. It's not until we get to the end of the passage that we understand exactly who Jacob is wrestling with. And we know that this wrestling lasted through the night. And this wrestling lasted, and it was getting to be daybreak, and the the man that Jacob was wrestling with says, let me go, day is coming. And Jacob holds on to him, refusing to let go until the man blesses him. And the man does. Now, the man doesn't tell Jacob his name. He refuses to. And then daybreak comes. The wrestling match is over. And Jacob moves on. But in that moment, he recognizes who he was uh, wrestling with because he names that place Peniel, place where he uh, he had seen and wrestled with God and lived to tell the tale. Now, in that wrestling match, we see a few things happen. And in that wrestling match, we see an example of a prayer life that may be foreign to us. 
And that's where we're going today. More often than not, I think when we think of prayer, we think of prayer in terms of that, that first song, that gentle speak, that, that, that approaching of heaven with timidity. Too often we approach prayer not with any kind of forcefulness, not with any kind of, God, I want you to do this, or God, I want you to do as you promised. Now, part of that is born out of this desire not to be uh, too arrogant in what we ask for, not to be too demanding. We think of prayer as that sweet hour of prayer. We think of the prayer that Jesus prayed over uh, before, his re- uh, before his crucifixion. When Jesus says, take this cup from me, but not by your will, not by my will, but your will be done. We approach prayer with this humility, which is good and right, but it's not the only way to pray. And I think we as a church, we as Christians, we as people in this world that is desperate need of transformation, of revitalization, of of redemption, I think we need to recapture this sense of prayer, like Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob refused to give in. He refused to let go. He wrestled through the night. No matter how exhausted he got, he held on to that wrestling and didn't let it go. He didn't let his strength give out. And it lasted until the morning. And even in the morning, after wrestling through the night, Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He held on to the stranger. He held on to God and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. That takes some chutzpah. That takes some, that takes some real, uh, uh, I don't know what the word really is other than chutzpah. Under that, under that thinking of, who are we to wrestle with God through the night? Who are we to hold on to God and say, I will not let you go until you give me a blessing? It's so foreign to how we approach prayer. It's so foreign how we come to God with what we want. Because sometimes we're pretty vague when we pray to God. We don't know, quite know what to ask for. We know what we want, but we don't ask for it. When we have a loved one who's sick, we know we want healing for that person. But more often than not, we approach God with timidity. Now, part of that is that understanding of what if this healing doesn't come? What, is the, what are we saying when we say, God, do this, and God doesn't do it? And I get that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask, for God, ask God for what we want. We see over and over again these people that approached Jesus as he was going about his ministry, and they would cry out to him, God, save us. God, uh, have mercy on me. God, heal me. I like the story of the, the, the blind man who was crying out into the crowd, have mercy on me, save me. And Jesus says, well, what do you want? And the blind man says, well, I'd like to see again. And Jesus grants him his wish, brings him healing, but then grants him forgiveness and mercy as well. In these stories of Jesus' healing, we see people who are in so desperate need of something 
of healing, of hope, of forgiveness, whatever it may be. And, and they ask him for it. They say directly, heal me. I want to walk again. I want to see again. I want my daughter healed. Now they didn't know who they were talking to as the Son of God, but they knew they had somebody who had God's ear and had the ability to do what they wanted him to do. So my question for us today is, do we run out of strength? Do we give in too quickly? Do we refuse to express the longings of our heart and our desires to God because we're afraid that God might not do it? We're afraid that God might say no, or we're afraid that maybe God can't do it. Are we holding back? Or do we wrestle with God? Now, the funny thing of this passage is at any point, God could have ended this wrestling match. At any point, the stranger, if it was God himself, could have ended it and said, well, if I'm the God of creation, if I made you, if I called you to being, if I called you to this place, then surely the stranger could have ended it all and put Jacob in his place. So what does it mean to have a God who willingly wrestled with Jacob, who held back his strength, held back all of that, that the stranger had to offer and all that he could have done, held it back so that they could wrestle together. This helps us in that idea of prayer, in this idea of life of faith, is God doesn't want to just do, God doesn't just want to uh, make things happen, God wants to wrestle with God's people. God wants that relationship that's born out of expressing our frustrations, expressing our desires, expressing who we are. And if we're not doing that in prayer, then what are we trying to do in prayer? If we're not coming to God with everything that we are and all that we want and all that we desire for ourselves, for our families, for our loved ones, and for our world, if we're holding back as if God already doesn't know the desires of our hearts, then what is it that we're even doing? What if instead we recognize that in the act of prayer, in the act of wrestling with God, in the act of saying, God, what are you doing? We are building the very relationship that God is seeking out with us and is shown and is holding back and is wrestling with Jacob. Jacob's name is changed in today's passage to Israel. Now that's a significance in a number of ways. Through Jacob, he has 12 sons, and through those 12 sons, the, um, the 12 tribes of Israel come about. He also has a daughter who also gets forgotten and doesn't, isn't thought about most of the time, but we're not going to go there in that particular passage today. But his name is, it becomes Israel. But unlike Abraham and unlike Sarah and unlike others whose names are changed in the Bible, this one doesn't seem to stick as much. Jacob's still referred to as Jacob in many places in the story. 
But the word Israel is one who struggles with God, one who wrestles with God. It becomes a defining characteristic of Jacob and of Israel itself, and I hope through us, through being grafted in through Christ, as a people who struggle with God, people who wrestle with God. And we do that in the reading of Scripture. We do that in prayer. We do that in small groups. We do that in worship. We do that, hopefully, in every day of our lives to understand what God is doing, to say, God, what are you doing and why? And to hopefully understand it better and then to hold tight on to that strength and hold tight on to God, refusing to let go. Refusing to say, I'm out of energy, I can't do this anymore, I can't last through the night, the struggle is too great, or even worse, the struggle is not worth the cost. Because we find in today's passage that Jacob's struggle with God, Jacob's wrestling with God, does not leave him unscathed. He doesn't come out at the end with only the blessing that he sought and demanded. He comes out of that wrestling with a limp, with an injury to his hip, to his leg. And that limp, that injury, stays with him. I can't guarantee that when we wrestle with God, we will always end up in a place of blessing and without being touched by it, without being injured in the wrestle. Because when we hold on to someone like God, when we hold on and wrestle and challenge and be challenged by him, we are going to be impacted. We are going to experience something. We are going to struggle. And that wrestling, depending on what we're wrestling about, can stick with us. And be a defining characteristic of our faith going forward. But that is a sign that we've wrestled with God. That is a sign that we've wrestled with who God is and what God is doing. That is a sign that we've wrestled with God because what he wants for us, what God wants for us, may be different than what we want for ourselves. And anytime that happens, we're going to bump heads. And what we see in this story is a God who wants to butt heads with us, that wants us to wrestle with him, wants us to refuse to let go. So my challenge for you for this week, my challenge for you in your prayer life going forward at times is, yes, you will have those prayers where I say, I just need to sit in the presence of God in this sweet hour of prayer. But I want you to grab on to those times where you feel like you've got to speak to God one-on-one, going toe-to-toe, wrestling with him and refusing to let go, naming exactly what it is that you're looking for God to do. And refusing to give in. Now, God may or may not do it. God always has the choice of giving that blessing and giving you what you ask. But the purpose is not in getting what you want. It's in the wrestling and being in the presence of God. And in the chance that God blesses you, you have a double blessing. 
You've got the relationship. You've got the wrestling. You've got the experience of knowing that God is there. And then you have the blessing that you sought. For even when Jesus prayed the night before he died, and he asked for God to take the cup from him, the suffering, to remove what was about to happen and make it so that he didn't have to do it. He asks for that first. But then he does say, but your will, not mine, be done. We have to be willing to ask for it. We have to be willing to be specific on what we want God to do. And we're going to have to wrestle with him, either until he does it or he shows us another way. But the point is to not give up, not give in, and to hold on to God and not let go no matter what the cost. That is my prayer for us. That is my prayer for myself because there are so many places where I failed in this. I tend to go the route of, well, God, if, they, if this is your will, then do it. God, if, if, if you can bring about healing in this person's life, then, then I'd love to see it. But if not, I understand. But I, too, need to claim on to that book. So hold on to God. Hold on to what your, your desires for, from him are and be willing to wrestle with him until the very end, holding out hope, being willing to be transformed and even wounded in the process, but knowing that the joy, the blessing, the redemption, and the transformation happens in the act of wrestling.